Na 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 Spider Man. No, just no. Stop it. No. Na 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 na. Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about storytelling and animation and web-slinging superheroes. I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And I'm Chris Leva. Today we are talking about Spider-Man in honor of the new Spider-Man Homecoming feature film, which is not animated. I mean, it has animation and that has visual effects, but that's a whole like great area. Uh, we'll not get into that today. We're talking about Spider-Man and in animation, in TV, on your TV. Somewhere in that set area. Um, now, Chris, how much do you know about Spider-Man? I know some is the answer to that question. I know some uh, Spider-Man. I've seen almost every animated iteration of the web crawler. Wow. As some people call him. Like every episode um, of every anim- iteration? Almost. Almost. Wow. I haven't seen a lot of... Ultimate Spider-Man, which we'll talk about um, in terms of in the list. I'm not gonna. We're not talking about Ultimate Spider-Man today, but um, Ultimate Spider-Man is the only Spider-Man that I haven't really seen all the things of. Um, but I, I do enjoy Spider-Man. He's one of the superheroes that I get excited when there's a new version of, and I don't roll my eyes when there's a new Spider-Man, as I think some people roll their eyes like another Batman. Yeah. I'm at that point with Batman so, right now. I think it comes in waves. Like, I think so. I'm back on the Spider-Man wave again, partly from research for this episode. I will <laughs> say my knowledge of Spider-Man is mostly through my dad, who has like every issue of the Spider-Man... I'm, I'm not, that's a lie. Every issue of a comic book with Spider-Man in it from like <laughs> issue 23 onward or something ridiculous like that. Um, so my knowledge of Spider-Man is heavily weighted towards early, early, early Spider-Man. And I watched Spider-Man, the 90s show, and its follow-up sequel, Spider-Man Unlimited, which most people did not see and I don't recommend seeing, and we're not talking about today. Um, so uh, there's parts of Spider-Man that are a mystery to me and I don't understand as much as I want to. So like yes. things that I don't understand and want to understand, I get obsessed with them and I need to know everything about them. Like Venom. I have a disconnect with Venom. I don't get Venom at all. I don't understand the appeal. I don't understand that. Yeah, and I think that's part of the reason why we had to call in some troops. True story. So that's, I think, our understanding of Spider-Man being somewhat limited in different ways. We, we called in two, uh, I would say, Spider-Man experts. I was going to try to make a na- nice coin of phrase, but I wasn't fast enough to think of something. So we have Megan Patrick. Hi. Adam Cottle. Hello. Thank you both for being our Spider-Man experts, our web experts, web, web spurt. Web no. searchers? No. Our web searchers. It doesn't, need to have, it doesn't need to have a special phrase. Okay, it's, I tried. I, I tried. Okay. Like it, when we had a, a guest about Star Trek, our Star Trek spurt. Doesn't that sound oh, cool? See, that yeah. blows up the tongue, yeah. though. That yeah. just but, so, rolls. Yeah. There's nothing. I was like webbing, but then it gets a little bit scary, like hmm. wall crawl or uh, nothing. Yeah. You'll I think of something it. after we finish, and it'll come to you. It'll come to me, yeah. definitely. Mm-hmm. So thank you guys for being here um, to talk about Spider-Man in animation. And I know 
you both have different levels of knowledge and mm-hmm. enjoyment of the webhead. Yeah. So I want to start. Should we start with Megan? What is your experience with Spider-Man, your knowledge? All right, so uh, my experience of Spider-Man started with the comics in the late 80s and early 90s because um, I really got into reading and I got into comics, and my mom wanted to encourage this. So when I went, when I would go with my dad for summer vacation, um, he would just sort of indiscriminately buy me comics that were maybe not appropriate for a six, seven-year-old girl. <laughs> um, whereas my mom would buy me like Archie and like the uh, the Archie Comics publication of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that was based on the cartoon, sure, uh, that sort of thing. But dad just sort of was, was he's like, ah, oh, here's some comics. So I ended up reading a lot of DC's uh, Metal Men, uh, the Omega Men series, which was way above me at that point in time. Um, but <laughs> there was also uh, quite a bit of Spider-Man mixed in there. Um, and of course, I saw you know videos of the the '60s cartoon, and then the '90s came along, and TV, had the animated series on that happened. So Can't that's that. most of my experience there. Most of it was in the late '80s and into the '90s. So I'm actually a fan of Venom. So I can hopefully bring some justification to Kenzie for that. Yes, please. And, and, I, <laughs> and I do know from previous conversations with you, Adam, mm-hmm. that your favorite villain is. Is Venom. is Venom. I would say that Spider-Man is my favorite hero, and Venom is my favorite Spider-Man villain, and I, I hope to make a good justification for that in a little bit. Um, <laughs> I really got into Spider-Man initially with the 90s cartoon. Mm-hmm. That and the X-Men 90s cartoon were kind of like my introduction to superheroes. Kind of a random mishmash of comics. The only comic that I really read all of was actually when they did the ultimate spider-man sure um it was kind of like a good chance to start over and i read the first i don't know 100 150 episodes of ultimate <laughs> or issues of ultimate spider-man um and then also every time there has been a spider-man movie and a lot of the animated tv shows i've also been very excited about and followed um in a way that i haven't with other superheroes that i you know thoroughly enjoy Awesome. Also, a lot of the crossovers too. Like every time Spider-Man showed up in the Avengers, those oh, yeah. were my favorite episodes, issues of the Avengers. So. Yeah, I, Spider-Man adds something to the. I think this is, there was a video that I was watching last night that was about Bathos. Have you heard about Bathos, Mackenzie, or anybody? I like Bathos as an idea, or is this like some kind of superhero that I don't know about? As <laughs> as an, <laughs> as an idea, as an idea. Bathos. I mean, I talk about how much I love Bathos on this podcast all the time. If taking something that's high-minded and very, like, academic and, like, intelligent and, like, put together and then you just cut it down with humor. I love it. It's the best. And I think that's what what we, we talk about um, expectation and what's the expectation of something landing. But also Spider-Man adds the Bathos to a lot of the Avengers, which takes itself very seriously Mm-hmm. Except nowadays, like ever since Iron Man, I think there's a lot more bathos in the Marvel Universe in terms of cutting everything down. There was one scene in the video from Doctor Strange where Doctor Strange makes it a strong decision about he's going to be a hero and he puts his cape on and the cape starts like touching his face and he's like, stop it. I love that scene. It was so cute. And that's the thing. It's like it's, it's funny, but then face. It, it gets rid of the... Um, the sincerity of the moment or you lose some of the high-mindedness because people are afraid of cheese and being cheesy. Uh, Well, I think you have to be very light-handed with that sort of thing 
So mm-hmm. like it, 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 the moment can't last too long. It can't be more than a moment. I, and I think if he had brushed it aside and not said something, if it had been just a tiny little thing where it was over in a quick moment, it would have been different. But it lingered. It's like, stop it. Stop. Stop. So the, stop. The moment was it, too long for you. It went on a little too long. I do feel that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has more of that than the Marvel comics right. in mm-hmm. a way. And almost in a way that DC is kind of the inverse, where the DC universe is much, much darker than the DC. The DC cinematic universe, I feel, is a lot darker than a lot of the DC comics. Yes, I but agree. Yeah. That's why yeah. I don't like I, it. I love the, uh, <laughs> the Bruce Tim DC animated universe. It, yes, the animated universe, I think, is DC's strongest arena. Um, they, they've been producing amazing uh, pieces mm-hmm. for years and years now since Batman the Animated Series. And of course, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, uh, Flashpoint Paradox, all that sort of thing. And so I think as Spider-Man in the comics, the way that he operated was he was offering that little bit of humor, like reading the comics for Infinity War... Mm-hmm. All the jokes were from Spider-Man. Nobody else was funny because people were dying <laughs> and things were going. So you needed Spider-Man in order to take the edge off a little bit. And he was the only one who could do that. And now in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as you were saying, Adam, everyone has that little bit of undercutting and everyone has a jab or something to say or mm-hmm. can take that tone. So tonally... Spider-Man is great in the movie, but he's not the only thing in there quipping while he fights. Right. I think part of that might be due to the popularity of Deadpool. Uh Because I was about to say, like, Spider-Man kind of did the Deadpool thing before Before Deadpool Deadpool existed. Yeah. He was in the fight, cracking jokes, being wise, except then once that became so acceptable, Deadpool had to come in and then take it that much further which then also their team ups are always weird. I mean, that's me. they are. That's how this like cultural moment has grown a little bit. Trying sticking with the Spider Man line, like yeah, Spider Man made the jokes and brought sarcasm to world, and then Deadpool took it a step further, and then everything got really sarcastic. Remember that like period where everything was like really ridiculously sarcastic, late nineties, early two thousands, high school. Yes. Yeah, I totally don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and sarcasm just got overdone, and now we have like the cute like. Honest, real moments like the cape wiping away Doctor Strange's mm-hmm. tear things. Single manly tear. Single manly tear. Yeah, like now it's like yeah, it's it's a moment and it's not sarcastic. It's genuine, but it's still silly. But to transition to a different kind of reason why I think Spider-Man is so resonant and so, I guess, significant in the world of like superheroes is that he was like quippy and sarcastic and making jokes and all of that, which is fun. But also, Spider-Man was dealing with like Peter Parker issues in a way that other heroes don't. You know, Bruce Wayne doesn't have Bruce Wayne problems. Spider-Man has Peter Parker problems. Like he has to deal with, you know, his Aunt May figuring out how to like. So they have, sometimes they have financial troubles. Sometimes he has like homework and class problems. Like mm-hmm. he has to deal with his real life issues in a way that most of the the superheroes that exist, if their real life exists at all, which some of them it does not, I would say, you know, Captain America, Steve Rogers doesn't have a personal life. Yeah, everyone right. he knows is dead. Right. <laughs> um, wow, dark. <laughs> what? True. Or like, like uh, you know, but like Bruce Banner 
Bruce Banner's problem is the Hulk. Like Spider-Man, Peter Parker has his issues that don't involve Spider-Man at all. And then Spider-Man comes in and makes it even more complicated. So I feel like that kind of um, resonance is, is, is something that's always, I think, is appealing to me is that Spider-Man is like, is, is a hero that doesn't have it all together in the way like if, if Bruce Wayne decided to stop being Batman, he would just have an awesome life. He would just other be than his a billionaire. Yeah. So. Right. And I think the, what you're exactly right. I think I the agree. personal yep. problems mm-hmm. of Peter Parker are the things that make the Spider-Man good. Accessible. I, yeah, he's, yeah. Yeah. I think, and I, that's why I get behind so far because this is, we're recording this before the opening of Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, I think that's why Spider-Man 2, cool. Sam Raimi, is like the, is the best incarnation on film of Spider-Man as, as you're dealing with the Spider-Man, Peter Parker mm-hmm. problems and how they cause issues for each other. Spider-Man makes Peter Parker's life harder and it just... It makes it difficult to be Spider-Man because of how hard it is to be Peter Parker. Yeah. I always felt that movie felt very Silver Agey, and you had to have, like, Alfred Molina as, mm. as Doc and everything. Oh, so, what a movie. So good. <laughs> so good. It's, so I'm just, uh, it, it's, I, I think you drew a really good. Mm. Yeah, you nailed it. Good point. I think that's terrific. Yeah. Thanks. So, yeah, good that's job, why, Adam. That's why I'm here. That's exactly why you're here. Like, I don't think I would have pulled that. I would have been very, in terms of, um, I would have gone, as we talked about in our podcast, very small potatoes, small potatoes about like little things and questions. Well, we but we, it, we like to see people who are like us in media. So, it, mm-hmm. it be, so if you are a a smart, creative kid who's not athletic and not talented in a lot of arenas. <laughs> Uh, and you have terrible luck. You really relate to Peter Parker in like a lot of ways. If you have a troubled love life, you can relate to Peter Parker. If there's somebody that you've always wanted, but you are completely invisible to them, you you understand his his internal struggles and what he's going yeah. through. Mm-hmm. If you're poor, if you're poor, yeah. If you can't, if you know your aunt is raising you and you have like mm. financial problems, right? You you understand yeah, Peter these, Parker. These you know, are things that lots of people can relate to. Bruce so. Wayne's only relatable if you've had your parents die. So like Harry Potter and Bruce Wayne understand each other. And, but and like, Peter Parker. Excuse and me. Peter Par- and Peter Parker. Well, well, hey, 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 hey. But Harry Potter and, and Bruce Wayne are both ridiculously rich. That's this the point true. I was making. <laughs> yeah. Is That's Harry the Potter point rich? I was making. Yes. yes. Harry Potter is loaded. With wizard gold. His Gringotts vault is off the hook, yo. <laughs> That's like book six. There's like five whole books where he's poor. No, 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 no. He's, no, only, he's no. only poor like when he's with his. I think we're oh. we're where's where's Chris oh, and Dad? No. Yeah. Oh no! Oh okay. no! <laughs> okay, this so is not going to be the third it, podcast that gets overtaken with Harry Potter. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm not trying to make it that way. I swear. I have many people disappointed in my lack of knowledge of Harry Potter. But so if Peter Parker, if Spider-Man has Peter Parker problems, that's like why we like him so much. Does Venom have Eddie Brock problems? Um, yeah, he does have Eddie Brock problems. I would. Uh, mostly his consuming envy, um, and you know he gets like evicted from his apartment mm-hmm. and like because I just rewatched the the episode the arc that we're do I is it too early to talk about that? No, no let's, we can get into it. Okay, well, yeah. so um, I rewatched the you know the arc for the homework and everything, and you know Eddie Brock like everything is going wrong in his life. He's he you know he lost his mom. He has basically no relationship with his dad, um, so he's always trying to impress his dad. He's very hungry for this approval. 
Um, and he switches major to journalism. He's trying to get pictures of Spider-Man. He's stuck in traffic. Everything goes wrong. <laughs> he's stuck in no, traffic. No, like, he's stuck in, that's the episode. He's like stuck in traffic while he's trying to go get the photos so he can get the biggest scoop and, you know, uh, and, and, you know, make his dad proud and become a respected journalist and really, you know, do something with his life. But, you know, he ends up going home and, like, he's got the eviction notice on his door and just everything has gone terrible for Eddie Brock. Yeah, that's true. So, but um, as as we go through uh, as a character, like, where, where does Venom come from? You said he, Envy is the, one oh, of the biggest en- things. En- envy is, I think, is definitely the, the well... Okay, so Venom is not just Eddie Brock. Venom is a compound entity of Eddie Brock and the symbiote, right? Yeah. There's because you cut. Uh, there's always the referring to themselves in third person as we, 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 we. It's always us, um, because the because Eddie Brock's got you know this consuming envy because he and Peter having been friends, he is envious of Peter's. Uh, you know, he had somebody to fall back on. His aunt May loves him. She takes care of him. Mm-hmm. She's there for him. She's proud of him no matter what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't have anyone like that in his family. And then again, you have Peter Parker. He has his successful photojournalism career. He's, you know, he's getting all these great pictures of Spider-Man. He's paid. He's well respected. Well, in some arenas, <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> maybe maybe well respected isn't the the term that I want. But because you know, Jonah's never going to be happy. But whatever, he's just not a happy man. No. But you know, uh, Peter in some ways accomplishes. They they start out at the same point in some ways because they lack their parents. But Peter exceeds him, and that can. I mean, that causes jealousy, that causes envy. You want what something what somebody else has. And then the symbiote just wants Spider-Man. Yeah. And it's, it's the, the Venom and ultimately becomes the, the combination of Eddie Brock's hatred for Peter Parker and Spider-Man and then the symbiote's rejection, like hatred because of his rejection of Spider-Man and that kind of combination. Um, the other thing that comes out not so much in these specific episodes, but in a lot of the comics, and Venom actually has his own spinoff kind of series, is that... Oh, yeah, he tries to be a hero. Venom is good. Mm-hmm. He just hates Spider-Man. So much. So, like, Venom is really only a villain to Spider-Man, and there's actually a number of times when Venom and Spider-Man team up because Venom will go for the greater good over his hatred of Peter Parker at times that happens throughout the comics. Um, and it's something where, but like I would say Venom in terms of villains is kind of like that, um, antithesis of Spider-Man in the same way that like the Joker is to Batman or like the red skull is to Captain America. That's kind of how I viewed them, but it wasn't until kind of looking into more of, the knowledge I've realized like Venom though came in so late comparatively Mm -hmm. into um, Spider-Man's like world history or, you know, but like I looked up some days. So like Batman came out in 1939, the Joker came out in 1940, Captain America came out in 1941, the Red Skull came out in 1941, Superman came out in 1938, Lex Luthor came out in 1940, X-Men in 1963, Magneto in 1963, Um, Spider-Man came out in 1962, Venom st- first came out in 1988. Oh, wow. So there was 26 years of Spider-Man with Venom not existing. Um, and, like, I feel that Venom is much more of a, a, a kind of 
balancing villain for Spider-Man than something like the the Green Goblin, who kind of is typically fills that role. But the Green Goblin, there's not it's doesn't really have that kind of like greater motivation for me, other than just his own personal, you know, like desire for greed or things like that. Unlike, I would say, the Joker, you know, desires for chaos, whereas Batman desires for law and order. Like, Right. To your point, I think um, the the thing that makes Venom a more compelling nemesis for Spider-Man than, like, the Green Goblin or any of his other villains, um, I think whenever you have a hero and a villain that have a very close, uh, where, where, you know, you, when you think of, like, their, you know, their standard villain, uh, there has to be a little bit of the hero in the villain, they have to share some level of, of intimacy almost. Like, maybe not intimacy is not the word, but <laughs> but you know what I mean. Um, so, well, I mean, uh, many times in the dialogue in both the animated version and the comics, uh, Venom has this almost romantic, obsessive, it, it almost sounds like that. And it's an alien, so I know it's like, it, it's not necessarily interpreted that way, but it's, it, the, the there, I've even seen jokes made of it where, you know, it, it, he's almost like a jilted ex, like just in the rage and the level of obsession. But, um, because Venom shares so many of Spider-Man's powers from the symbiote having been with Peter. Mm-hmm. Um, but where, you know, you have, the, you have the Red Skull and you have Cap, they're both patriots, they're both military experiments. Uh, you know, there's levels of similarity with Batman and the Joker. They're both insane. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. uh, they're just at, at, you know, at, uh, at odds with one another. And I think the Green Goblin doesn't have that same level of, there's nothing that makes him like Peter. There's nothing right. that makes them similar. Okay. The Green Goblin is their their kind of thing is that it's Harry's dad, it's his best friend's dad, and there's that kind of thing. But the Green Goblin doesn't hate Peter Parker right. until he finds out that Peter Parker's Spider-Man. Whereas Eddie Brock has it out for Peter Parker before he knows and especially before he knows anything yeah, about like, any of this, yeah. And that's that's something which uh, there's a couple things like that that I think that the two different TV series Treated took that that the Eddie Brock yes. Peter Parker relationship very differently in a way that um, I think is going to be fun to kind of contrast. And he, Absolutely. Here's I do want to jump in because we have to talk about the octopus in the room because we're not talking about Doc Ock at all. No. <laughs> and I I consider Doc Ock as Spider Man's greatest villain partly because again I'm skewed towards the early part but he's still like yeah. and I think and he's that, a major guy. No, that, that's Doc Ock is a great villain for Spider-Man mm-hmm. um, in that they are both like scientific geniuses. Yes. Um, Doc Ock also initially starts off with kind of good motivations mm-hmm. with his inventions in most iterations. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll say it could be said for Doc Connor, the lizard. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm glad you were talking about foils, though, because for me, mm-hmm. and we'll get into our two iterations of Venom here in a second, but the one I liked better was the Venom that is a successful version of Peter Parker, which is what I think Doc Ock is also, which is why I like Doc Ock a lot, and I like the successful Peter Parker version of Eddie Brock better as a villain, Mm -hmm. whereas I don't like the failure version of Peter Parker that's just hate, like already doesn't have anything and like resents not having anything and not being known versus one that had everything and everything Peter wants to be and loses it. Yeah. So that's my two cents. Right, that's Absolutely get to as we <laughs> as we talk through that. I wanted to bring up, well, two things. So one, it's neat that both an octopus and a spider have eight legs. So I wonder <laughs> if there's something in there's that that there. links them there. Yeah. You know, the good thing is a spider and the bad thing is an octopus. 
think on that while we're discussing. I just wanted to bring that. Trapped in the octopus's web. (laughs) (laughs) And and Doc Oct is in one of these. He does have his moment in kind of one of the the arcs. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel it's a really, he has a really good episode there. He does. He really does in this, this particular arc. But the other thing that we wanted to talk about, because there's, as Megan was saying, Venom is two things. Venom is Eddie Brock and Symbiote. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the Symbiote now that we've talked a little bit about Eddie Brock. Let's talk about this alien Symbiote goo and um, figure out what's going on there. So who wants to discuss the black stuff? Um, I think this is something where I'll start and Megan's probably going to like come in with some like correction um, but so it, the symbiote is uh, one of a large alien race, like in terms of population. There's a lot of actually them throughout the, the universe at various points in the Marvel <coughs> universe. And um, this is the first one that's ever come to Earth. Um, now, in the comics, it is actually gifted to Spider-Man as part of something he did to save the universe and some interplanetary adventure. And it's actually given to him as a present. Right. Um, both these television series take the route of it comes down on a space shuttle. And um, then he, Spider-Man through various different ways comes across it. So it's more of an accident. Um, and both those is a kind of a step up, I would say from the, the Spider-Man three random meteor lands. And yeah. yeah. So, I, I thought if if to say one thing about Spider-Man three, <laughs> just I one. really th- <laughs> in this podcast in this podcast, but I thought that they were setting up Venom as the villain in the third Spider-Man by having J. Jonah Jameson's son in the second. Yes. Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's where I it saw, seems to be leading to. I saw him in the second film. He is going to go to space, and he's going to come back in the third movie with Venom somehow. I thought that they were going to link it. That and would have been smart. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe dramaturgically that's what they were thinking, and then some said, well, why, why doesn't a meteor just fall? Yeah. But it's, it's that linking it to story, character, and logic that you've, been creating well and there's some there's something where it's not a gift to spider-man by an alien race in these series but it's still spider-man always comes across the symbiote through an action that he has taken as opposed to pure random chance yes and anything it's always good when a character's even if it's you know even if an accidental consequence is a result of their action as opposed to something that happens to them and that's true in both of these kind of iterations um but, but anyways, to get back to what the symbiote is, is it, it basically it's a, a separate being that the symbiote can't really live without a host. Um, and whatever they they kind of take over their host, there's a, a, a mental bond with them and um, they kind of enhance everything that their host is. Um, so even if the symbiote was to just initially bond with a normal person, um, they would still have the, kind of the some level of superpowers because of that. Um, 
And in this case, since it bonds with Spider-Man, it takes all of his normal spider powers and enhances them. His webs are stronger. He is stronger. He's faster. Like all of his things are just kind of turned up um, Mm -hmm. a level. Um, And then since the symbiote forms that bond initially with Peter Parker and and Spider-Man, when he leaves, he still has that kind of powers that he can then um, take over to Eddie Brock when he then bonds with Eddie Brock after he's rejected by Peter Parker. And I guess that was the question that I had always about Venom is like, okay, so now he becomes a spider symbiote because he's latched on and bonded with Peter Parker's DNA. And now he has spider powers. So it doesn't matter if it's Eddie Brock or Aunt May or whoever next he bonds with, but that will be a, I don't mean to put a gender on the symbiote, but. Yeah, I think they're kind of genderless. Yeah, yeah. I, I apologize for that. But, <laughs> but whoever the symbiote decides to bond with now will have spider powers because of the initial right. it bond. It is still Peter Parker's symbiote. It's just Peter Parker has rejected it, and therefore it will settle for Eddie Brock, and that's also, it has its rejection. And, that, and that's kind of where they form their bond is they both desire and, and hate Peter Parker. Um, and that's, that's the thing is like, it is always going to be Peter Parker symbiote. There's actually an interesting kind of Marvel. What if series that they do where they take these weird things. And it was, what if the symbiote had initially bonded with the Punisher and like, it was a very interesting kind of thing, but the symbiote, the powers that it has, it doesn't have spider powers because it found the Punisher first in this, what if world. And therefore it, um, it basically like makes guns for the Punisher and things, you know, has kind of like. Frank Castle themed powers instead of <coughs> Peter Parker themed powers. So, but yeah, that's that's kind of what the symbiote is. How much of that did I get wrong? No, I think you you <laughs> uh, you pretty much nailed most of it. Um, so we we talked a little bit about uh, Venom's origins coming around in you know very much later in in the comic series um, to kind of step outside of being in universe and talk about uh, the the creators. Um, usually when a character is created, both the, the writer and the artist that uh, create the initial design are credited. Venom's a little bit weird in that case because uh, Todd McFarlane of Spawn fame was actually, he's usually credited as Venom's designer. Mm-hmm. Um, he did not create the initial design. He did add some of the monstrous details that came about later. The, the huge mouth, you know, the gaping mouth with the teeth and the tongue. All of that imagery comes out of Todd McFarlane's work. But uh, he was not the original designer of the black costumed look. That, I think, was actually modeled after Spider-Woman's costume, hmm. uh, Jessica mm-hmm. Drew, which I think is one of the only instances I can think of where a, a male comic book character's costume has been modeled after his female counterparts, yes. uh, even though the two of them don't really have much to do with one another. Like, there's some <laughs> Avengers stuff where they're in the same place at the same time, but I, ba- basically they're totally unrelated. And Spider-Woman also has Psychic a powers. whole different set of, set of powers Oh yeah, well, she's. Yeah. It's not like Supergirl and yeah, no, Superman. It's, a, it's like a whole different They're thing. completely unrelated characters. She's like a secret agent and stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's a, well, she she eventually becomes the new Madam Web, too, but that's a different that's a, different yeah. thing. Madam um, Web. Madam Web. Um, <laughs> I'm glad that you share my enthusiasm for Madam Web. Um, but no, so so the, so the that's where the black uh, costume comes from. So I, I can't remember the name of the artist that initially... Did that design, but Todd McFarlane is cr- is credited as the creator. And of course, as we know, Todd McFarlane um, was the creator of Spawn, which sort of ushered in this era of the '90s, yeah. where every everything's really extreme, everything's really dark. 
Um, and so Venom sort of became the herald of that new age in comics, I feel like, because mm. he was coming in the late, you know, uh, you know, in the 80s and everything. Uh, so sort of ushered that era in. I think they saw spot, uh, saw Venom and saw how successful that was, and many other comic creators took notes from that and developed, you know, characters and stories that were darker in tone, and that just sort of set the stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, let's get into discussion of two different representations of the Venom origin and also two different versions of Eddie Brock, and in some ways, two different versions of Peter Parker, I think. Um, I do just want to say that I do think that Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, the Broadway musical, (laughs) may have been better if they had chosen Venom over Green Goblin. You want to add more special effects to that musical? Didn't some, wasn't there like an accident? Didn't somebody like catch fire? Or? <laughs> an accident. An accident. Yes, there was an accident. It gave they us sing- Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt's joke, Spider-Man 2, colon, too many Spider-Men. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the two things that we were discussing are the Spider-Man, the animated series from 1990s, 1994, I believe is when it started. Mm-hmm. Um, We're doing Season 1, Episode 9. This was a three-part arc called The Alien Costume, Part 1, Part 2, Part Mm 3. Great titling. And then we also are discussing Spectacular Spider-Man. What year was that, Mackenzie? Do you remember? the mid-2000s sometime. Mid to late. Yeah. 2007? I think I saw when I was looking it up. Okay. I don't know. Sounds about right. And then uh, they are doing Nature versus Nurture, episode one, no, sorry, season one, episode 13, and this is a four-episode arc. So usually you can't tell Venom's creation in a mm-hmm. single episode. And, and Nature versus Nurture being the final episode You're right. uh, of that series. Um, yeah, which one thing that, like, in contrast to how late Spider-Man, Venom came into Spider-Man lore historically. Both of these are in season one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that is kind of a, a statement towards the importance of Venom versus Spider-Man comparative to like the overall arc is that like, it wasn't like, a, okay, we're going to get through our first three seasons and then we'll do the Venom thing to kind of mirror the comics. It was like, we'll bring him in early because that's his level of, importance. of foil versus, yeah. versus Spider-Man. And I think they brought him in very, very early on the ultimate, what was it? The ultimate Spider-Man. They brought him in very early as well. Mm. They didn't do a good job, which is why we're not discussing that version (laughs) of Venom. But I just remember going, wow, you guys botched Venom with that one. So um, we're not discussing Spider-Man comic books. Venom's not even an alien. So there's that. But we can skip over that too. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and and we do have to say, in terms of Spider-Man in animation, there is going to be a new Spider-Man show starting on Disney XD. Yes. Very, very soon. Like you do. Like you do. And we will put in our show notes a link to some shorts that they're creating so you get to see yet again Spider-Man getting bitten by a spider. Um it's <laughs> I like what they did because they they take in the idea of being in the right place at the right time and somebody else could have been Spider-Man or Spider-Girl or somebody, Spider-Woman, Spider-Wench, 
Spider, spider Mensch. Spider Mensch and Spider Wench. Spider Mensch. Well, like if he was, well, I don't know what the German word for spider is, but like, well, Mensch would be like, I don't know. Speeder Mensch? Speeder Mensch. Have you, like, I don't really know. If any, like, just, if you've never seen, like, the Japanese or the Indian takes on Spider Man, yes. you should see them. Not animated, but equally not, not as animated, but equally as entertaining. So, but there is a new Spider-Man and we get to see them. And um, I don't know how I feel, but I will wait. I'm excited. You've decided? I, I'm excited. I'm, I, oh, I'm you're usually excited. very skeptical. Like, I'm usually very, like, reserved about new stuff, but I'm very excited because I think the Marvel Cinematic Spider-Man, this is the best Spider-Man we've had so far, just in terms of the, the actor and the character himself. I think this is the best one we've had so far. Um, so I'm kind of excited <laughs> about it. Even though, like, the, I guess, uh, Spectacular Spider-Man... Which I'm really enjoying, and I'm, I want to thank you for introducing me to. We had it's because it was a Sony production, so the movies that we had to go with that were not so great. I don't know. <laughs> well, the Spectacular Spider-Man movies were totally unrelated from the Spectrum to Spider-Man. Right, I know, but they were both the, the Sony property, like yeah. so. It was spawned off of that. Different team. Oh, uh, uh, well, nice. <laughs> so I'm excited. I'm 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 looking forward to it. Yeah, cool. Um, well, let's let's talk through. The the first one, the alien costume from Spider-Man: The Animated Series. In this, this so we're talking about the third part specifically because that's when Venom becomes Venom mm-hmm. himself, herself, itself, their selves, um, their selves. Thank themselves? you. There's, it would probably be their since themselves. Eddie Brock is male. I don't feel like it's too inappropriate to refer to Venom as male. But it is too. It is too. It is a, it is they, a they, they, they do refer to themselves as we, and think, we should yeah. respect their pronouns. Yes, we need to respect them. turning into a pronouns. Steven Universe so episode. This is, <laughs> this is actually <laughs> a situation like a where it is appropriate episode. to say they, because they is plural, even though people use it singularly, they is actually perhaps the best. You're, you're yeah. right. Yeah. You're right. Um, but yeah, so yeah, black costume Spider-Man... Um, is or Spider-Man with the symbiote is in you know episode seven and eight, and at the end of episode eight, um, he realizes that it's like kind of corrupted him and kind of turned him into evil. It tries to kill the Shocker, um, and then so he is able to out the to throw off the black costume with the assistance of the the clock tower bell, the iconic kind of, bell scene. Yes. Very iconic bell scene. It's a great scene. scene. It's only the second iconic scene that happens to Peter Parker in like a clock tower, bell tower thing. Mm -hmm. The first one being the death of Gwen Stacy. Isn't that from the Brooklyn Bridge? Bridge? Is it from the bridge? I don't think it's from the bridge. Maybe maybe that's just the bridge is how... In the bridge in the comics, I think in the movie they put it in a clock tower. It changes sort of... Well, Gwen Stacy is a... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do are, that. Are we not? Gwen Stacy's not in Spider-Man: The Animated Series because they didn't want to do have Gwen. They didn't Stacy, want to have to deal so with that drama. Felicia yeah, Harding. It's just too much drama, and I think it's drama that we need. But yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah. So he, he's uh, at the end of episode eight. He um, uh, he gets rid of the of the uh, the the costume. Um, jumps out of the clock tower, is in his underwear, and then they just cut to him being at home. Which oh yeah, just like the white boxer, so he's got to like run through. Yeah, like, he has to get his all the way shorts. from, and he doesn't have his web slingers. Also, in the animated series, is it just me or just like Peter Parker? He's like really, he's in good shape for like a nerd. He's got like broad shoulders. He is like like Peter Parker looks like he spends some time at right. the gym and has like I have been a little drinking more his protein shakes, and taking <laughs> him seriously as like 
it, as Peter Parker, but when when he's in the Spider-Man costume, it looks great. Well, yeah. I think in the '90s cartoon, everyone looks like the '70s. Everyone comics. looks like that. Yeah. yeah, that's. You have the very heavy line work, and like the colors are very like saturated, mm-hmm. and. But he's uh yeah, and then Ed, the the symbiote finds Eddie Brock, and they kind of like that moment is like almost off camera, and then there's like a shadow of him, you know, being Venom, and like but like the symbiote. Just finding Eddie Brock, it's almost like Eddie Brock isn't given a thought or a choice. He just like, oh, here's a person. Oh, there they are. It happens to be Eddie Brock, um, which well, is kind of a weird way to, to do it. Yeah, I mean, Eddie Brock is <laughs> tied up in web. Right. Yeah, he's like just dangling Left there. in Left. the clock tower. Because I'll deal with you later is kind of the... Which also then later on when Spider-Man finds out that it's Eddie Brock, he goes, how did the symbiote get to Eddie Brock? <laughs> well, it they were the only the two living things in that clock tower. <laughs> <laughs> Found a rat. It could have, yeah. Not very useful. But uh, it's like they, they were they were in the exact same place when you ran off home through <laughs> through Queens and yeah. your and should, your boxers. So should should not be a surprise. Yeah. Oh man, it's not that much of a stretch. I will say, situation. There's a couple logic problems I have with the '90s arc that we're seeing here. A couple. I think my biggest problem with this whole like arc is at the beginning, Peter Parker knows that the symbiote is an alien that's latched onto him. Latched? Latched? Latched. Latched. Um, <laughs> and then Peter Parker, as a scientist, decides, I don't need to know more about this. It's okay that it stays on me. I'm like, what, Peter? I don't really feel like that's a logic problem because the symbiote could... It's playing... Like, it's it messing it with messes head. with his thought process. Yeah. I'd believe it if there was like a little bit more there. I well, think. He, does, right. he, he does go to Doc Connors. He's like, hey, maybe we should like take a sample of this thing. And they do, and and there's a lot of like, why am I doing this? I, that's not <laughs> like, that was weird. Like, there's a lot of self reflection of weird things that he's doing. Yeah, the one thing that you get, and this is just Spider Man in general. The one th- thing that you get from a Spider Man animated series is an awful lot of voiceover narration. Mm-hmm. You get a lot of, huh? That's interesting. Oh goodness, I better get over here. So really the storytelling gets really. Big into now. If I could just make it in time for this, then probably I'll be able to do this. Yeah. Oh goodness, that's a good thing to do for me. Yay me! Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of that, which isn't too. It's more appropriate for Spider-Man than it would be for other. Well, because yes. he's a solo character, so if you just had him uh, on screen, and there's a lot of him in the comics mm-hmm. talking to himself oh, as he web slings throughout the city, but yeah. or yeah, talking to Bruce or talk. Yeah, Bruce. Well, is that the name of his gargoyle? What's the name of the gargoyle that he hangs out with all the time? I, I don't remember. There's just like a gargoyle on a building and You're he talks right. to it. Bruce is a good name yeah. for a gargoyle. I feel like that's I think, a dig I at think DC. Bruce is the name. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, that might just be like a subtle jab at Batman. Yeah. But I don't know. <laughs> or the Hulk. Or the Hulk. <laughs> that too. Could be one of the I feel, two. I feel like gargoyle is more like yeah. Batman. Because yeah, you always see Batman like up, you, although in the dark deco, like Tim, uh, Bruce Tim sort of style with the... Yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned gargoyles because we'll get into that with our next Spider Man episode. <laughs> Continue <laughs> but, on with this uh, one for now. But so the, the, the other thing that we want to figure out about this is what causes the rejection of the symbiote? So, what in Peter Parker says, no, I don't want any part of this? So, you talked about Mackenzie, how he's fine with it because he has new powers and now. One thing that they have in the animated series that we must say is that he has web shooters. He has mechanical web shooters. Mm-hmm. 
when you choose your Spider-Man, you have to decide: are they mechanical or are they organic? Mm-hmm. And I th- and I think you could tell certain people from what they decide in terms of they are they belong. organic or are they mechanical? Yeah, yeah. Are they the under or are they like the weird impossible finger position or like is how it, you is it under them? underhand or overhand? So <laughs> like toilet paper. So he goes. <laughs> He goes from uh, mechanical web shooters to having organic web shooters um, that produce actual web because I guess the symbiote's like, you should, if you're really Spider-Man, maybe mm-hmm. we should really shoot web and has that power to give him that. But what is it about what's going on in this particular arc, these three episodes, that Peter Parker says, what's the last straw for Peter Parker to say, I'm in bed with the devil, and I don't want any more part of this. Well, in the first episode, there's a moment where he's fighting the rhino, which also this is, I guess, the rhino's first appearance in this this in the animated series is in the first episode of this. But he's fighting the rhino, and he almost kills the rhino um, by crushing the rhino with a huge metal door because he has yeah. super strength, and he's now actually able to to do that. Um, and then he, at the last moment, decides not to kill the rhino and disappears, and that's kind of his first moment of that. Um, and then he, at, at the end of this arc, when he finally decides to reject it, he's uh, fighting a shocker, and he's going to throw the shocker off. And then he, Peter Parker realizes, has his flashback moment, with great power comes great responsibility. No, he can't kill the shocker. But the symbiote actually jumps off of him a little bit and pushes the shocker off of the, the bell tower um, without Peter Parker as making that decision. And then so he saves the shocker and then realizes that the symbiote, like, he, it, it's controlling him and he's not really in control of it. And mm-hmm. that's kind of, I think, the last straw that makes him decide to reject it and to try and get rid of it. So in that, it's the symbiote's action that, mm-hmm. that causes him to reject action, it. yeah. So the fact that he had no more control... And where he thought he was in total control over what was going on. Yeah. Symbiote says, no, I'm going to kill him. And it went from like a, it's kind of put it, giving you these dark thoughts and uh, instincts to a, it's actually taking action that you aren't in control of. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Which I think is a really powerful moment. It's a really strong yeah. character choice and it gives him a good reason to. To make the separation. Absolutely. Yeah. It reinforces that great power, great responsibility thing, which I think, if that's the core of Spider-Man that we're going for, and I think both of these shows we're talking about make the choice of linking Venom to the Spider-Man origin story, I think that's a strong choice to make. Because, mm-hmm. as Adam pointed out, because he comes in so late, you're justifying like how he's now like a foil to Spider-Man and what Spider-Man stands for after not being around for 20-some years. In the comics. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, and he he's going to first seemingly enhance what Spider-Man is and then corrupt what Spider-Man is in terms of, like, Spider-Man doesn't kill people. Um, but Venom is trying to corrupt that, or the symbiote before it becomes Venom is trying to kind of corrupt that aspect of, of what Spider-Man is. And Venom is only Venom because of the merging with, with the Eddie symbiote Brock. and Eddie Brock. Yeah. So... But, okay, so here's a question for our uh, panel here, I guess. I'm going to call you our panel. <laughs> um, spider panel. Our spider panel. I can't think of any other 
animated iterations of Venom that aren't Eddie Brock. Are there other non-comics, like, Venom iterations that aren't Eddie Brock? The symbiote has, that particular symbiote has used other people temporarily uh, mm-hmm. from time to time, but it's it, it comes back to Eddie a lot. Um, now, of course, there are other symbiotes. Are we going to talk about the, the, the messy red... Let's not get into uh, Carnage like, today. Let's not, get, let's not get into Carnage today? Okay, because Carnage, right. is, Carnage is the best known of the There was an entire thing where it was uh, Planet of the Symbiotes, so we have all these different weird things. I had several of the action figures. They're so 90s, so 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but yeah, no, I think, it, 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 it's, I think Venom is most effective as a character as Eddie Brock, because we do have other, you have other like villain institutions that are taken over by other characters. Like when you think of the Vulture, there have been other Vultures, but you think of Adrian Toomes, because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. that's who it is. I mean, and I, to, for me, I mean, Eddie like, Brock it's is the only like, Venom worth talking there's about. There's been multiple. There's been a lot of goblins. Yeah, a lot of goblins. Lots of goblins. Um, you know, things like that. But like, it's you know, Norman and Harry Osborn. They're yeah. that are the goblins. Well, there was mean? the in, in the in the animated series there was the hobgoblin before there was the green goblin and we don't like that's just because they made the toy first right though. yeah and that <laughs> <laughs> well again nineties but, but like it's so weird because like we never like figured like in with if you if all you knew of Spider Man was just that series you would never know anything else about the hobgoblin he's just sort of this weird guy that shows up and that you know yeah. Osborne is is uh, not even really forwarding yeah um, but yeah I, I'm trying to remember I don't think there in in animated series that Venom, that the symbiote ever is with anyone other than Eddie Brock or um, Peter Parker. Okay, because it's refreshing myself on like the comics history of Venom before this episode. I know like for a period after the 90s at some point, the symbiote was with Mech Gargan. Like, so Scorpion becomes Venom for a while and it's like Scorpion Venom. And yeah, like now the symbiote's happens. back with Eddie Brock. So I, I know like Mac Gargan is like another... Less famous, but famous incarnation. In, like, the Venom... Because I also read several of the the Venom spinoff comic books. um, And in the Venom comic books, it was Eddie Brock. Now, in those comic books, he left New York to get away from Peter Parker. And he ended up... Was able to go and be kind of a hero in his own way. It's a great choice on his part. (laughs) Right. Some other place. I can't be in the same Um, city as my ex. New York is too small. Right. Right. So he... um, (laughs) But he, he, yeah, so he's leaving and kind of like, uh, but he, in moving around more, I guess. But it is Eddie Brock as, as Venom in that case. So. Okay. I, he's certainly the most famous one of the one that I thought of. I was yeah. surprised to learn there were other, other Venoms, but I shouldn't be surprised since there's so many other like Spider-Men. Oh, yeah. Spider yeah. people. Yep. Ben I mean, Parker. Spider peeps. Yeah. Spider peeps. Gwen. Miles. I mean, Miles. Miles. Point, oh, I love Miles. At some point, Miles is going to have his own, you know, TV show. And then he's well, he's going to have an animated, animated film. Miles Morales one coming. Is he? Okay. Oh, is that yeah. with the, the Disney XD? Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. There's a movie. A movie. Oh, oh, an a animated movie. Spider-Man movie starring Miles Morales coming out. My eyes just got so big. I don't know if you can see it behind the microphone. I can't. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> My eyes got big. I had yeah, an emotive happening. reaction. So. I agree. Along with the Venom film. So we could talk about Miles. And when we revisit mm-hmm. Spider-Man. And it'll be interesting to see how, if, if they include Venom in with Miles Morales, how that's going to change because it's no longer Peter Parker. Oh, is that how they're going to run this Sony MCU thing? They're going to have a second Spider-Man as Miles Morales who's not in the MCU, but in the same Spider-Man universe? I don't know. We'll, ha- <laughs> we'll have to reconvene the Spider-Panel 
Yeah. When uh, Miles, when, that when Miles hits uh, the, the large screen. No, 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 So, <laughs> a little spinning spider symbol. Anyway, uh, let's 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 look at this episode again, <laughs> as we we talked a lot about Eddie Brock, Eddie Brock's revenge, Eddie Brock being a mirror image a distorted mirror image of Peter Parker, not having the success, not having the love. Mm -hmm. What is motivating Eddie Brock as Venom in this final episode? Well, even before this final episode, Eddie Brock is at, only at the Bell Tower because he, as Eddie Brock, unaware that Venom is a thing, the symbiote is a thing, is trying to hurt Spider-Man. He's trying to help the Shocker in this fight. So he's already at the point of, wanting to take physical violence against Spider-Man. And then he gets the symbiote. Which just amplifies, amplifies all of those. That. Um, so this, the episode nine starts off with a great you know, workout. Um, Eddie Brock is super buff. Yeah, he's a very fit guy. Very fit guy, loves to work out. Um, Which is supposed to be in contrast builder. to Peter's, you know. Peter, who's supposed to be kind of like but a smaller. The appearance in this is, yeah, we, yeah suspension um, of disbelief. So... <laughs> Suspended. Suspended. Uh, but yeah, so Eddie Brock starts off like working out with like a rant about how and like brief flashbacks about all of the things that Spider-Man has taken from him um, and that, uh, you know, his job, his, then he got his job back and then he got fired again and blamed that on Spider-Man as well. He got evicted. Um, Eddie Brock is not a rational person. No, not so much. Um, he's kind of dumb. But, but I mean, he's I mean, a lot of Spider-Man villains are dumb, though. I mean, you look at the I Rhino, know. you look at the Scorpion, they're big, dumb guys. Yeah. And I guess I think I give Eddie Brock a little bit of credit for being slightly smarter than those two. Yeah, but not by, but not by enough. Not by enough. Not by enough in this iteration. There's even a point right. where you were talking about the scene where he's, he's going on this rant about it. He comes home and I talked about you know, the eviction notice being on his door. And then he starts sneezing. He's like, oh, even my health, because he's stuck out in the rain because he can't get in his apartment. <laughs> yeah. Because he's got the eviction notice up. And like... So at this point, clearly he's already not a rational person. Right. Um, a true so. Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> in in a great and Hank Azaria almost goes full full on Mo Sislak at a certain point during the <laughs> eviction. Like I was like, wow, we're he's really getting into Mo. Like <laughs> you can't really tell it's Hank Azaria for most of the episode. He's like, yeah. even my apartment. <laughs> I was like, oh my god! It's like, oh gosh, yeah. slow down, Hank is there? <laughs> Can we watch the episode of Spider Pig where Mo Sislak becomes Spider Pig Venom? I would want that yeah. to be a thing. Yeah, Spider Pig was actually a thing in the comics. Oh my god! The, really? uh, the, yeah, no, the Adventures of Peter Porker, the Amazing Spider. Oh, okay, yeah, I did know about this. Yeah, yeah it's like a uh, yeah. Cerberus knockoff. Cerberus, yeah, Cerberus, yeah. Cerberus, yeah. No, uh, yeah, Aardvark cartoon, Dave Sim. Yeah, not not yeah. kid appropriate. I don't recommend. No, I mean, definitely I, I recommend not. it, but not kid appropriate. It's it's a. Mm, I I think uh, Cerberus is a fantastic series, but that is a completely different discussion. I'm not going to get on my Dave Sim like anti-feminism rant right now. Yeah, I would have the same rant. That's our. What, that's no, for writers fake. get graphic novel. <laughs> I'll be on that episode too. Okay. <laughs> so where where okay? So he's not a rational human being at right. this point. Mm -hmm. Um. Would there be a change if it weren't by chance that he gets connected with a symbiote? What would that change? Anything? Because right now, Eddie Brock is only by chance 
webbed up and right. stuck, and then he gets a symbiote. What if Eddie Brock had witnessed the symbiote being disconnected? Mm-hmm. I think he may have and pursued then it. Jumped for the symbiote and invited the symbiote. I mean, that's much closer to what happens in in Spectacular Spider-Man. Yes. Um, which we can, I guess, hold off on that, unless you want to jump into it well, right now. But it's. I was trying to make a transition. Make, yeah. the, make that We're transition. Working, I was trying to, you're welcome. So to yeah, transition. I would say that's as I said earlier with like the with Spider-Man getting the symbiote out of his own action. And this, yeah, Eddie Brock doesn't get the symbiote from his action in the, in, in the animated series. Whereas in Spectacular Spider-Man, it is actually through his choice that he gets the symbiote. So let's or, go there. So bond. in Spectacular Spider-Man, what are the, I guess, what's the situation? What, what are, what's the setup to getting the symbiote in so this? Something I'm curious about is, do you, does either of you know when... Um, when in the animated '90s animated series, when is Eddie Brock as a character introduced? Um, pretty early on, I believe. He's, is, is he actually he's there from? I think they're, the they're both like one. in the at the Daily Bugle. Because I do know that Spectacular right. Spider-Man. It, he's in episode he's one. A, he's in episode one, and he is a their relationship is very close. totally different mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in a way that I think is a great change. And yes. that um, it's also the difference between high school Spider-Man and college Spider-Man. He says something about going to class at one point, but I'm like, really? Well, in Spectacular Spider-Man, he's he's, he's specifically in high school. And so uh, I think, because I went back and I watched the earlier episodes. um, So Spider-Man, in the first episode of Spectacular Spider-Man, is going into his junior year of high school. Mm -hmm. Eddie Brock is a college freshman at this point. Yeah, he's he's like the cool older friend um, and I guess the parents died in the same plane crash. The same plane crash, like right. So their yeah. parents were friends, and they were friends before, and then their parents both died, and then they've continued to have a relationship because they share that bond of they both lost their parents in the same plane crash. And Eddie Brock has kind of always looked out. He's like the the adopted older brother, so mm-hmm. to speak. Yeah, Peter Parker. So they have this that relationship. Anyways, and then Eddie Brock is an intern for Kirk Connors, and that's kind of how Peter Parker looks into that. And this, in Spectacular Spider-Man, Eddie Brock is smart. Um, yeah, he's not a dumb guy. He is. He is a smart guy, which um, I think is is fantastic. Um, and I really actually like all those changes. They're very different from the comics, but I think they're all like good changes and that they use them very well and they make that Eddie Brock Peter Parker bond greater and then they make that kind of <laughs> spreading of that greater as well yes so. and here I'm going to get on my my Greg Wiseman box because Greg Wiseman is behind Spectacular Spider-Man wrong. well he mm. I mean he he can he can do gray area he can do good he and do gray, gray area, area. <laughs> um, I love Greg Wiseman he brought us gargoyles in the 90s um, and then after Spectacular Spider-Man went on to be an executive producer on season one of Star Wars Rebels. And where I think Greg Wiseman excels is these really nuanced character relationships where it makes you, like, care for somebody, but also see, like, you respect someone as a villain, but you're like, but you're also bad, but I want you to win. Um, He did a lot of that in Gargoyles. I think Star Wars was a great place to get that started with all the deep character relationships and the people they bring back in that show, like Lando being in season one of Rebels and 
getting complex yeah. stuff there. He did a fantastic job of it in uh, Young Justice, too. Yes, and Young Justice, no, lots, lots, right. of, lots of great character development in that series. Which, if you didn't know, because I can't say it enough on this podcast, is coming back for season three at some point. I know, I'm so excited. But that's... I, like, I've rewatched the first two, like, uh, two or three times now. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, fantastic. And also, side note, this is actually our second podcast in a row talking about the voice actor Josh Keaton, who voices Peter Parker in this, who also voiced, fun fact, Jules Brown in Back to the Future, the animated show. Hmm. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that is an obscure reference. Well, we just talked about Back to the Future last week, so. Yeah. Top of mind. Um, but yeah, top of the mind. <laughs> yeah. But like, I, I haven't caught up that far in my, my podcast history. But. It's all good. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, so this is, this is why I, I like this version of Eddie Brock, because he is like such a nuanced, radically, not afraid to be radically different version from all the Eddie Brocks we know, but he is... I think a much better foil in that way. He's not the opposite of Peter Parker. He's what Peter Parker aspires to. Right. Mm-hmm. Peter Peter Parker, you know, he lands the great, or Eddie Brock lands the great internship with, you know, Dr. Connors. Peter Parker, that's his dream. He wants that. Um, but then Eddie Brock loses that because of Peter. Well, he's able to blame it on Peter Parker because he Peter Parker didn't stop um, Black Cat from stealing the the symbiote, and therefore they lose their grant. And uh, but Peter Parker took pictures of it, and that's why Eddie Brock's like, you didn't, you just took pictures, and you didn't even try to stop. And so the, a, a really good distinction I think they make here is that in the '90s animated series, Eddie Brock hates Spider Man. In this series, Eddie Brock is Peter Parker's best friend, and then they. Like over the course of these four episodes, they wedge them apart into the point that at the end of it, Eddie Brock hates Peter Parker. Right. He doesn't like Spider Man either, but like his grudge is actually against Peter, Peter Parker. Yeah. And that's I think a very that's personal a really grudge. personal and very like strong choice. Mm-hmm. And so it, it is, it's more of a Eddie Brock, Peter Parker reflection as opposed to. Venom, Spider-Man, which is what you end up with. Like Eddie Brock and the original incarnation that we were discussing, 1994. Not original, but you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> and the, in the first incarnation, Eddie Brock isn't interesting until the symbiote's there. He's kind of, it right. just amplifies him and makes him an interesting character because now he's a threat. But in this one, in Spectacular Spider-Man, there's... He's not a threat so much as to you're just trying to hold on to that connection and it becomes about who are you connected to yeah, and what are you connected to because in very real, literal terms, a symbiote is what's connected to you. It's connected. It's latched on. Physically. Physically. Who do you have a relationship with and who are you connected to? Our friends are symbiotes. (laughs) <laughs> That's right. Uncle Ben is a symbiote, mm-hmm. which is very true. I mean, if you get into Superior Spider-Man, where Doc Ock becomes Spider-Man, yeah, that's which is in, yeah. Let's yeah. Um, <laughs> you still have you still have Uncle Ben being a symbiote there, yeah, and lingering on and holding on to, but it's always this idea of connection to somebody else. And in a lot of ways, Peter Parker in Spectacular Spider-Man and even in some of the films, it's very much the, 
I'm making these decisions based on my connection or broken promises to other people. Mm -hmm. And so it's this constant decision-making choice. Well, in, in, in this, in episode, in Spectacular Spider-Man episode 11, which is, you know, over a full episode before Eddie Brock bonds with the symbiote, he goes on a date with Mary Jane. Yeah. Yes. Like, he's trying, Eddie Brock is trying to get at Peter Parker long before there's a symbiote or before, and there's even a, a whole episode after that before they make that bond. Right. Um, which is... You know, kind of it's. I wonder if he's got like borderline por personality disorder, like the '90s interpretation of him. Like, yeah. he's almost like trying to take Peter's life almost, like on so many levels. Mm -hmm. That's true. Well, if if Peter lost him his life, he may as well take Peter's life. Right. Yeah. Well, you got rid of my life. I'm taking yours. Yours is better. I'm gonna take this one. Yeah, and he's and in that situation in the spectacular, he's also jealous of Aunt May because he lost his parents too. But Peter had Aunt May. Right. Eddie Brock didn't have. He had Aunt some Aunt kind of family to. Yeah. So there's that kind of like he's jealous of that, which also he wants to then he, he then goes and threatens Aunt May very like explicitly and threatens Mary Jane and Gwen Stacy and, and kind of everybody yeah so the 90s version is you're already starting out with like an unstable mm -hmm. troubled person yeah and really this is eddie brock having a crisis mm -hmm. and lashing out at his best friend yeah and in a lot of ways peter parker in spectacular spider-man is a little bit opportunistic and naive and young and doesn't behave well, well. yeah i think that i think the naivete that's that's sort of part of like when when you when you think of Spider Man, you think of the, you know the the snappy one liners. He's a he's a really witty, creative guy. Um, he's but he's also usually the interpretation of him is much younger right. than we see other superheroes as. Well, for instance, for him being in high school for the for Spectacular Spider Man, so he there's our life experiences that he doesn't have that you know make him do certain things that he reflects on. He's like, wow, that was a bad idea. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. Right. So I do have and a question for our panel, though. Go ahead. Yes. Um, in episode 12, before uh, the symbiote and Eddie Brock bond in Spectacular Spider-Man, it's a whole episode, like, dream sequence. What are your mm. opinions on this? That's a long dream sequence. <laughs> like it, it is. So I watched Spectacular Spider-Man first, which I'd seen all these before, but I rewatched it mm. first. And then when the dream sequence happened in... Um, the animated series, it was like, this is really short, Jesus. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was brief. <laughs> but this was, it was a very, it may actually made me wonder, because I didn't rewatch the whole Spectacular Spider-Man, like, season one. Did they show the creation, or did he start episode one as Spider-Man? He started episode one as Spider-Man. So yeah. this is actually the first time in this series that they show him get bet by the spider. They show Uncle Ben, um, the, you know, like, that whole reaction. Mm -hmm. So they're actually, and this, I believe, Revisiting. is also... I think season 13, I think this is the one episode before the finale, too, of the season. Mm -hmm. um, I think 13 is the last episode of the season. So they're actually, they held the creation story until episode 12 of a 13-episode season. So in a way, like, that's a very interesting storytelling thing to do because as, like, one thing I'm so anticipating about Spider-Man Homecoming um, and as contrast with the, Mar with the Marvel TV series, is I don't want to see Sp uh, Peter Parker get bit by a radioactive spider no, again. No, I don't think like, they'll do that. Design his costume yeah, or we, like, 
We don't need to be burdened with the origin story again. Episode like started off he's Spider Man, but here they wait until he has to rediscover his values as instilled by Uncle Ben to tell that story and then use that as his also as his motivation for rejecting the symbiote. Mm. Um, I agree it was a long sequence, but I also wanted to clarify like this is the first time we've seen Mm -hmm. any of that. This is not flashbacks, which is. And maybe there are some people where this is their first experience right. with Spider-Man in animated form. Well, this well, is the target audience of Spectacular Spider-Man, in my opinion, is much younger oh, than I agree. the target audience. Oh, audience every, you can see it in the art series. direction. Um, yeah. You have this very like high-key color profile. All the line weight is very light. Mm-hmm. Um, I, mean, I mean, Venom is really the only big black shape that we get on. Yeah. Screen where he, you know, which I think gives him an extra weight, and he's kind of cute too. Like, yeah, like his design. Yeah. His design it's, 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 is no, soft. It's a, it's a very stylized. It's a very soft black. But um, he's got the teeth and the tongue, but doesn't have like the threatening jaw and the saliva and the, the yeah. green. Yeah. I was about to say he has the 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 teeth and the tongue, but not the bite. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's so that's he's not like xenomorph, like H.R. Geiger, scary. He's just right. No. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. He's intimidating because of his. Size reference to, to Peter and right. Although I will say, in contrast to that much younger target audience, the fight scenes in Spectacular Spider-Man They're are so, well so much better, in my opinion. <laughs> um, like, so there's in I forget if it's episode eleven, I think, or episode um, twelve, but there's a point when Spider-Man goes to sleep. Aunt May has a heart attack, and he's supposed to like wake up and. You know, and then he would find out. He goes to sleep. The costume, while Peter Parker is asleep, takes him out and defeats the Sinister Six. <laughs> yes. Yes, the costume. And that sequence was like such a well choreographed fight. I didn't have any trouble tracking who was where. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was interesting. Um, and like, in contrast, in the animated series, in the episode, there's like the the train fight with Venom and Spider Man, and then like Venom gets knocked off the train, there's, there's steals a, lot of a truck, there. drives a truck, and then jumps back on the train. Yes. I was like, you could have cut two minutes right there. Like, what? we wouldn't have that weird shot of Venom. Just, they needed driving to fill like one minute of action with Venom, right? Like, and like, where's this? It's like, it, like you know, Spider Man is. Fighting very much like Spider-Man in that you know he's using the shocker to hit uh, you know the rhino and he's like separate splitting up and separating them and like he I feel like the the Sinister Six um, organized by Doc Ock which is a great like setup in general oh, was. Um, and was that was a great fight sequence as well where Venom or the symbiote without with Peter Parker being totally asleep defeats them all and then he wakes up the next morning and realizes that the symbiote went out and took him on a on a <laughs> joyride and defeated the center six without him. And that's kind of also a scary moment for him because he was totally not in control of that. And that's what I wonder too. It's like, what would that do to your self-esteem to be like, wait, so my costume beat up all the bad guys totally right. while I was asleep? Well, he's in high school. It's too early for him to be able to take on six simultaneous supervillains. I like the setup of, Peter Parker can't do it. And he runs away earlier in that episode. And like the Center Six are taking over New York. Yep. It's a good and, early and the, show thing. And the costumes, like, you know, I, w- I will fix this. No, I got this. Though. I got this, bro. 
Yeah, because they say bro they a lot. Say, too they do say episode. bro a lot. Hold my Kool Aid. Mm-hmm. I got this. <laughs> well, that's the yeah, that's the Eddie Brock thing, and that's also how he figures out that Eddie Brock is Venom is because Venom calls him bro. Hey, bro. Eddie Brock calls him bro because they're Eddie. But in this, it's like it's because Eddie Brock is kind of his adopted brother. They that's the it's an ongoing thing. Is right. it's not like Eddie Brock's Eddie Brock's a little bit of a bro, but it's not because Eddie Brock's a bro. It's bro is the, Eddie Brock's pet nickname. For he still has like that Peter Parker, that very James Dean. He's got like the white T-shirt with the black jacket yeah. and the jeans, and drives a motorcycle. Drives a motorcycle near almost Johnny Bravo. Yeah, like, almost. He's almost Johnny Bravo. Well, but uh, yeah, Johnny but Bravo's venom. Well, he does sort of have, like, no, he's even got, like, the, the blonde quiff a little bit. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. Like, where it kind of goes up in front. Gotcha, Spider-Man. Johnny Bravo is Venom. Oh, wow. <laughs> Can we, You're uh, welcome, Internet. <laughs> Can we talk about how, uh, contrast, how Spider-Man defeats Venom in these two episodes? Because... Yes, there's a big difference in what what goes down. And I yes, really that's a really that. good place. Mm-hmm. On Go on where we end up. Go ahead. Adam. Okay. So in the animated series, um, after the whole train thing, which I alluded to, well, also first Spider-Man, Peter Parker goes and like messes with Eddie Brock a little bit in a way that like he like posts. There's newspaper stories, I guess, about Eddie Brock getting fired, which doesn't <laughs> make sense <laughs> because then- J. Jonah Jameson is just that. That, but he goes and posts those in Eddie Brock's apartment. So Eddie Brock comes, comes home, sees that, and Absolutely he's outside. And then it. Spider-Man leads them on this chase to the rocket. They're going to launch back into space. Um, and they have this whole fight sequence. And <laughs> throughout the whole thing, like it's kind of ridiculous. There's the train thing. There's, Venom steals a truck and then jumps back onto the train. And like, But they end up back at the space shuttle. And the sound, sound is the symbiote's weakness. The sound from the space rocket launching separates the symbiote from um, Eddie Brock. And then <laughs> Spider-Man webs it up and webs it to the space shuttle and it gets launched back into space. Cut to Peter and Mary Jane on a date. I wonder what's out there in the universe. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we're not alone. Or you know, so there's that, um, which is a fine way to defeat Venom. In Spectacular Spider-Man, um, Eddie Brock is taunting the symbiote, or taunting, Venom is taunting Spider-Man because Spider-Man, again, totally outmatched, can't fight Venom. Venom's bigger, stronger, everything Spider-Man is, but more of it. Um, and Eddie, as Eddie Brock taunts Spider-Man, Spider-Man goes, you're right, you're better. I want the symbiote back. Mm. And like... Then the symbiote leaves Eddie Brock, rejecting him again um, to go back to Peter Parker, gets to Peter Parker, only to discover that Peter Parker is tricking it, won't actually accept the symbiote, and then he puts it in a bag and dumps it in a concrete of a building that's about to be built. And I feel like that is a way of like, well... There's like a flash sequence there too of also it's it's his friends and his family and his love that makes it so the symbiote can't just take him by force yeah. as well. A little bit cheesy. A <laughs> little bit cheesy. Uh, man, Friendship is magic. Kids show. Friendship's <laughs> magic. Love saved Harry Potter's life. You know. It's it's a thing. It's a thing in, in children's programming. Um, but like Spider-Man has to like I feel like he outsmarts Venom a little bit in the in 
the 90s animated series, but he really like tricks the symbiote and tricks it in like this kind of cool character way. Yes. In, in Spectacular mm-hmm. Spider-Man. It's, uh, it's, it almost seems so cruel to Eddie on like both counts though. Because yeah. on the one, you you know, you've got somebody purposefully like breaking into your apartment after, you know, uh, uh, being taunted. And the other one, you're being like rejected. Mm-hmm. Like that, uh, and just the, the symbiote's re- uh, feelings of rejection from Peter and just the whole thing. It's, yeah. It's, it's just a kind of a kick in well, the gut. Well, it's kind of like the, you know, if you view the symbiote as like Peter Parker's jilted ex. Mm-hmm. Well, getting, you're, you're, he's used the line, but you're his first, it's first love. Yeah, it's first love. It's yeah. like, you know, so the symbiote is going, getting with Eddie Brock just for revenge. But then as soon as Peter Parker goes, okay, good point, get back here. Like, it's like, peace, Eddie. <laughs> Eddie Brock, you were only the rebound. You were the That's rebound. True. He doesn't really uh, want you. It just settled for you. So minus the magic friends, I do like that better, and I like they deal with the consequences of that later in the series because Eddie does come back, and there's like this mystery of does he know, does he have the symbiote, and there's like a lot of fallout to how this episode ends, which I appreciate. Yep. Yeah. I I, I thought I forgot that it wasn't in these episodes, but one of my favorite scenes from the Spectacular Spider-Man series is there's one where like Eddie Brock just shows up for dinner. <laughs> And Peter Parker knows that Eddie Brock knows he's Spider-Man and knows he, you know, but Aunt May doesn't. So they have to keep their, like, their whole relationship contained because Aunt May's right there and Eddie Brock's just well, screwing as far as with them. May knows, like, they, they, you know, they growing up, they were best friends. They, why wouldn't they so still be? Why, why wouldn't they be best friends Why shouldn't Eddie still? Brock come over for dinner? He's come over for dinner how many thousand like times? Like a thousand times, yeah. You know? Like, and it's just this whole, like, <laughs> I remember, like, watching that scene and going, like, this is a kid's show? Like, this is a good scene. <laughs> this is a really great, is. like, setup um, for that kind of, like, relationship with Venom and Eddie Brock just kind of wanting to screw with Peter Parker a little bit, which I I think is, again, like, he can have that kind of, like, messing with Peter Parker in a way that a lot of the other villains can't. Yeah, and you'll never actually reveal Spider-Man's identity because then he'll have nothing to lord over him. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> you have to have something to gloat about. And I guess the other thing, um, as we're wrapping up towards the end, is just, like, Spider-Man is one of the few characters who whose story is interesting when he's not in the suit. Mm-hmm. His life is a, is a little his, soap opera. His life is interesting enough because of everything that he's dealing with. Like, you could have a 15-minute scene of Peter Parker and J. Jonah Jameson and Robbie <laughs> and have that play out. And have it be interesting and fun and great and just as entertaining yeah. as him spinning webs across the city. Mm-hmm. That would be enjoyable. Or like I really appreciated in Spectacular Spider-Man how there's the whole thing of like Gwen Stacy is being told by Mary Jane, hey, if you like Peter, go for it. And then there's like that whole thing where like we all know like it's Mary Jane, it's Mary but Jane. like it's Gwen Stacy. I don't know. So can I can I be like make myself super unpopular for a moment? Sure. I don't like either Gwen Stacy or Mary Jane. Do you like Black Cat? And it, I do. I actually do like Black Cat, <laughs> um, but not for not as like I, I mean she's. Are we talking about this iteration? This, or just, this iteration, but like uh, not necessarily this iteration. I think Spectacular Spider Man does a really great job of finally giving Gwen Stacy actual character development. Yeah, she's a person. Yes. Um, she's a friend. Yes. She's a person. She's a person so and I, I never, a friend. 
And exactly. she's distinct from Mary Jane in a number of different ways, whereas yes. before, right. like, their mm-hmm. characters were... One is blonde, but, one is redhead. Well, yeah. yeah, well, when the I have, I've never understood sort of the fanboy obsession with Gwen Stacy because we know so little about her, like, just looking at the comics, because mm-hmm. you never really saw her relationship with Peter. It was always like, oh, they just had a date, this, that, and the other. But they don't really, like, see much of her as a as a character, so I've never understood why the fanboy obsession. But I think Spider-Gwen uh, does a great job of kind of picking her up, and so does this series. I feel like, um, to kind of just go general Gwen Stacy for a second, the <laughs> Gwen Stacy's main appeal in a retroactive standpoint is that she died. She stayed dead. She's died. She stayed dead. Until she came but, back as an alternate. Until she came back. It, it, right. it, it is the thing of like, Spider-Man failed. Yeah. He mm-hmm. couldn't save everybody. And um, he tried and he couldn't. And like that is, that is the appeal of Gwen Stacy mm-hmm. in a way. It's like that terrible scene in one of those, you know, Joel Schumacher Batman movies where like, can you save both them? And Batman can. Spider-Man can't. He mm-hmm. couldn't save yeah. the people. Uh, I forget who, what, what it was in the actual comics, but he couldn't save the other people and save Gwen Stacy at the same time. Um, and when he tried, he, he failed. failed. And that, I think, is Gwen Stacy's appeal, which the thing that I liked about the Spectacular Spider-Man animated show is they do give Gwen Stacy a good, distinct character. They also um, give her, I mean, the female characters in that show overall have more time and more character and are less stereotypical than it, in Yeah, there's a very strong female series. cast mm-hmm. in Spectacular um, I don't know if these episodes specifically pass the Beckdale test, but it's close. Uh, um, I think uh, they, they, they talked they, about Peter. The girls talk about Peter. I think at but, one point, like, don't, don't Gwen and uh, Kirk Connor's wife have a conversation that's about science or something? They, yeah, they yeah, may, yeah, but what's his, what's his wife's name? Martha, Mary. It's always Martha. See? It's always. No, no, I think it's Mary. Why did you say that name? <laughs> Adam's Adam's just dying. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry, Nigel. I didn't mean to get all Martha on that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's always it's always Martha. That's, that was the worst. The worst. The worst. Just stop there. Just the worst. <laughs> yeah. So um, other than bad, like other topic things, do you guys have mm-hmm. favorite things from Spider-Man? These episodes. These these particular episodes. Um. I really like that. At least, like, it's just a throwaway line. So, uh, spectacular Spider- Spider-Man. One of the things that does that I think it does a lot better than the the animated series from the '90s does is it has a very distinct chronology. Like, we know when mm. it is, which in a lot of animated shows you sort of lose that sense of season and time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the the four episodes take place over four weeks in real time between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, and there's a throwaway line where Peter's trying to to fix Christmas dinner, fix Thanksgiving dinner. And, of course, he has no idea what he's doing because he's a teenage boy. Um, and he's like, oh, I wonder if Romita's delivers, like, a, a turkey and all the fixings pizza. And, of course, that's a shout-out to the artist, uh, you know, Romita. So I, I really enjoyed that line. I, I cracked up a little bit. Nice. My, favorite, my favorite line from the—my favorite scene from Spectacular Spider-Man, though, because I just—like uh, I said, I, I didn't watch this series until very, very recently— I think it's in like the, just the first episode or two where Adrian Toomes be- becomes the vulture and he's chasing Norman Osborn in his limousine and you know he rips over the roof and he's like, you'll apologize! And Norman Osborn's like, no, I won't! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, 
<laughs> what? He just was an apology? Like, this is... <laughs> oh, it was, it was hilarious. Oh, just two grown men. It just made me think of that, that Simpsons scene, you know, where it's, uh, I'll get you, Beer Baron. No, you won't. <laughs> yes. I, uh... I think I'm going to go with with some kind of like really just like so it, in Spider-Man animated series there's a moment where like in the the first episode of the Alien Costume Part 1 um where he's fighting the rhino and he puts the rhino on his horn and spins him around <laughs> like he's a dreidel like it's very 70s comics yeah very 70s comics um and then in Spectacular Spider-Man, we have um, one of the many demonstrations of how the suit enables Peter Parker to do things he couldn't do before. We have water skiing Spider-Man. <laughs> yes. Where I, I'll top my head to forget who is on the boat trying to like run away, and like he like webs the boat, and he's like able to keep up, and he's like, oh, I can balance. I could never have done this. Oh, my webs went even farther. And then, like, yeah, he's water skiing behind this boat uh, as the villain tries to, like, get away. And it's it's that sequence is one of the few times of the spectacular Spider-Man where I watched this and I was like, you could cut this down. Because I always, I always have that, 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 like, editor thing where, like, I'll watch a movie or TV show and be like, okay, like, that movie is seriously, like, you give me that movie in Final Cut, I will I will cut 15 minutes <laughs> And the animated series, like, I feel like like Kingpin, Smythe, Prometheum X, you could get rid of all of that. Yeah. And still be fine. Still be fine. We didn't even talk about Prometheum Smythe is such a weird character. Like his mullet um, has always bothered me. It's very and 90s. To it's comment on so your nice. art comment from earlier, Smythe also ripped. Yeah, no, guys in a wheelchair. Can't, but he's got in like a floating a, technology a wheelchair. He might have some kind floating. of magic electrical, like jazzercise thing. Right. Like that. What is that? That the that tens belt that you put on it, like electrically that stimulates like your, your abs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you can just like electrocute yourself to a washboard stomach. Mm-hmm. While you're coming up with scientific experiments for the <laughs> betterment of the world, right? Zap yourself. Strong, stupid. I don't like know. Like if he was in like a wheelchair wheelchair, I could almost buy it because, you know, maybe he does like wheelchair basketball. I don't know that people do things. But he's like in the floating like hover chair. So it's not like he's like, you know, wheeling himself anywhere. No. He's not. He, okay. He's, but he's got like. He's busy being an evil scientist. You're being rather ableist right now. There might be like floating wheelchair basketball. You don't know that. Yeah, but he's not using his arm to re- propel the wheelchair though. So Plus, he's, he's got like. Abs. Right. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to, to go with something. And a I'm, mullet. And, and a mullet. The mullet. A spiky mullet. Um, but yeah, so I. Uh, but Spectacular Spider Man, I felt very rarely dragged. There wasn't a lot of extra content. Um, the I feel like the scene work is a little bit like not like, like the target audience is lower. The scenes are written to hit that target audience, but the overarching storytelling in Spectacular Spider-Man is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really would say, like, if you're listening to this and you want to watch, like, one of these two Spider-Man TV shows, there's a lot less of Spectacular Spider-Man, but I would start there. Quality, yeah. not quality. And yeah. it's available on Crackle right now, so you can sign up for a free Crackle yes. account and watch all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you guys getting sponsored? Because you should you should hit them up. No, we, we should hit them. We're up, not that ambitious. <laughs> no, we're not. Crackle, so. if you're listening, you could tweet at us if you'd like to sponsor us, and we'll talk about the other three cartoon shows you have on your service. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They, I was I was browsing. They had they have a few things. Dilbert. I, I might go back and watch. 
Jackie Chan Adventures. <laughs> That's all I can think of. Those two things. Oh, and they're they're actual like adult one, but I haven't watched it. Superman. Mackenzie, what what was your favorite thing, Mackenzie? So this is a new record for me. I have three favorite things, but the, oh my god, seriously, I know, but the, three, they're all different. There's one that's a good joke in the episode, one that's a ridiculous thing about the episode, and one that is like my playwriting curiosity. In chronological okay. order, ridiculous thing, in the first episode of the 90s Spider-Man arc, like Kingpin is in his tower with Smythe, like, oh no, we should evacuate. And Smythe says, um, like, oh no, it's fine. It's gonna, the shuttle's gonna land in Queens. And Kingpin says, hmm, I think I know a guy. And he calls the rhino, like he just knows a villain in Queens, to go and pick up this thing. <laughs> If somebody did, it would be Kingpin. Right. And the rhino's already dressed. Uh, No, no, oh no, I remember that moment because he picks up the phone and he's already in the rhino costume. Which, um, in some versions, I think it's bonded to his skin. Yeah. But but I don't know if this version is. But they don't get into that. Yeah. So (laughs) So, as far as we know, it's just in his apartment. He's hanging out in costume. That's my ridiculous thing. My playwriting curiosity is also 90s Spider-Man, where they go with <laughs> Spider-Man and J. Jonah Jameson go to like negotiate the release of Jameson's son. And because it's Jameson and he won't be like carried around, they take a car ride. So what do J. Jonah Jameson and Spider-Man talk about in a half-hour car ride across Manhattan? I want to know. Right. <laughs> you could make a whole episode just around that. There's got to be something there. Like the, There's got to be something. That's also, the most like, moment. There's this weird moment where, like, Spider-Man's betrayed right there, and I'm just like, he's like, oh, you guys double-crossed me. It's like, well, well yeah. yeah. But also, like, then he, like, he's like, oh, and he's try- he can't have the Prometheus back. It's like, you're Spider-Man. It's three feet from you. You have web shooters. That is designed to take something. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, I, that was, it was a very, like, weird, weird Spider-Man moment, and I felt a little bit, like... A little bit weird to me as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And my actual good joke, because I also endorse Spectacular Spider-Man, is um, at one point the chameleon is impersonating Spider-Man, swinging around New York and saying ridiculous things that he thinks Spider-Man say. He goes, my insect early warning system is tingling. <laughs> very, very strong. Very good. Line. Very good line. It was. So that's and- my record. Chris, do you have a favorite thing? Yeah, mine was, it was a really subtle way that they told the story at the end when um, Gwen, this is Spectacular Spider-Man, so Gwen and Peter Parker make up and you see Gwen like start to leave and they show it, the camera's on her feet and she walks down the stairs and then her feet stop and you see her feet turn around and she goes back and she kisses him. And I was like, that was really told well you didn't see her face you didn't see anything you just saw her feet stop and her feet go back it was a really strong moment and then it got a little cheesy when you hear like well you know who you really love the most (laughs) yeah you know you hear the little flashback of that but it's nice that you have to tell what peter's thinking i suppose if if you're scaling younger right you have to tell younger audiences you have the show not tell rule with the feet and then but then they tell you anyway. Then you have to tell anyway. Then you have to tell anyway. <laughs> well, that does does kind of wrap that up where, like, the symbiote knew that Peter loved Gwen, whereas when they when he actually threatened that, Peter thought he was going after Mary Jane. But the real, real love, love is Gwen. Right. Um, Aww. Which is a good, a good moment. Fanboys everywhere rejoiced. <laughs> <laughs> so... 
Thank you both for being here. Thank we, you for inviting I appreciate us. it. Yes, thank so, you to like our spider said, panel. <laughs> spider panel. Spider panel will assemble again, hopefully, if Miles ends up on the big screen. If that actually happens, will you guys oh, come back? To- absolutely. I, I would definitely come back to talk about some Miles. Okay. Which I know, I know a lot less about Miles, but I love that he exists. <laughs> so. Mackenzie, you did have some unfinished animation business that you wanted to discuss. Or at least mention. I don't think we need to discuss it, but I do. We don't need to get into <laughs> the discussion of it because it's so short. It doesn't merit a whole episode on our show. But I bet you thought I'd never be able to work Jay Z into a podcast about animation, and you would have been right until today. Um, <laughs> Jay Z's new music video, "The Story of OJ," um, has dropped. It's available to stream on Tidal. I don't have Tidal, so I can't watch the full thing. Um, but it is an entirely animated music video done in black and white, kind of like an early Disney style that reappropriates racist caricatures and tells this interesting like black experience in America story via music video. And because we talk about diversity and things that aren't okay anymore on this show, I thought it'd be relevant to our listeners. With a side note, this is not at all kid-friendly in many, 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 many ways from the preview that I saw. So don't watch it with your kids. Um, but if you like early animation or music videos, or Jay-Z, or me, then you should uh, watch this. Awesome. Um, Should we, and now getting to things that you may be able to watch with your kids with lots of conversation afterwards, let's talk about homework time. For your homework, we're starting part one of our multi-episode series. We don't know how many episodes it's going to end up being, but it, it won't be in a row. It'll be peppered through. Part so, one of question mark. Part one of many of our exploration into the canon in Disney. Sorry, canon in D Disney. See, D, there we go. Um, canon in Disney, part one, starting where it all started with Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And it's not v. Oh my god! We've talked about it before. Same brain. Dw- I was going to say the same thing. Really? Yeah. So, dwarfs, not dwarves. Yeah. We've discussed it previously in a really early podcast. The difference between dwarfs and dwarves. They're both correct, but in Disney, it's dwarfs. That's right. Short, short story to that. So, thank you to our spider, spider, spider panel. Panel. I don't know. What I'm, this is Spider-Panel. <laughs> I was going to say, I watched Waiting for Guffman last night, so I had like Spinal Tap, I guess. So thank you to the Spider-Panel, Adam and Megan. Thank you, as always, to Nigel Coutinho, our sound engineer. And thank you to Jacob Reed, who I saw at Ikea today, for our theme music. Uh, if you have anything to say to us, the best ways to reach us on Twitter, at WGAnimated. Uh, or you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash WGAnimated, and check out all of our show notes and links to all the offbeat things we referenced today um, at <laughs> writersgetanimated.tumblr.com. Until next time, same spider channel, same spider time. Right? GMT plus eight. <laughs> GMT plus eight. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> eight legs. Eight legs.